Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Good afternoon, everyone. This is WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections on the air every Sunday at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and also on Instagram. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests and not of the radio station. So welcome everybody. We have Nick and I'm Nick and Lauren's in the in the studio with us today. Uh, today's show, we're going to be talking about Palestine, uh, the occupation of Palestinian land, and the systemic removal of Palestinian Arabs from their land. Um, we have Nancy Mansour, who will be joining us today to talk about her work on Palestine. Uh, and we're going to go into a short history right now. We want to tell you a little bit about uh, what's been happening in Palestine and how we got to where we are today. So, 700,000 Palestinians were forced to flee their homes in 1948 during what is known to the indigenous people of Palestine as the Nakba, or the Great Catastrophe. A campaign of murder and expulsion executed by British-trained Zionist forces pushed thousands of Palestinians to flee. Zionist Forces uh, violently captured large swaths of the land, massacred hundreds of, of people and Palestinian people, and then the state of Israel was established. Those that remained inside of Palestine's historic borders, those Palestinians uh, that remained inside Palestine's historic borders, whether inside the West Bank, Gaza, or 1948 land, have struggled to hold on to their land uh, since the state of Israel was established. An ongoing campaign of imprisonment and assassination of Palestinian leaders began with the British, the British occupation, particularly after the revolt and general strike in 1936, uh, when Palestinians were completely disarmed, which allowed the Zionist forces to easily take over the land, uh, although there was resistance uh, to that takeover. And though the assassination and imprisonment of Palestinian, Palestinian leaders has continued, um, and it's actually been accelerated by the Israeli government. In 2017, just this year, uh, Basil Arij, a Palestinian youth who worked to collect history of ordinary Palestinian people, organized demonstrations for youth, and spoke out against security coordination between the Palestinian Authority and the Israeli government, was gunned down and killed by Israeli soldiers in the West Bank. There was a huge outcry from Palestinian youth, including Palestinian refugees across the world. And that showed just how painful the continued targeting, incarceration, and assassination of Palestinian leaders uh, has become for the Palestinian people. And uh, in the Gaza Strip, <clears throat> electricity has been almost completely cut. In coordination with the Palestinian Authority, <clears throat> leaving 1.8 million people living in the world's largest open-air prison without sufficient resources to survive. Power cuts from 16 to 20 hours a day have severely affected health care, including incubators for infants and other machinery used to provide sufficient health services to the population living under the siege. Israeli wars on Gaza come in sequence. 2006, 2009, 2012, 2014, and in 2014, inside Gaza's 140 square miles, 2,000 Palestinians were killed, among them 1,400 children, in other words, seven out of 10 Palestinians killed in this war were children. 
The struggle and resistance towards Israel's continued seizure of land and resource and exploitation of Palestinian labor continues, both here in the U.S. and on Palestinian soil. This resistance brings together people from across the world to stand against injustice and the genocide of the Palestinian nation. This includes April 2017 hunger strikes by Palestinian political prisoners inside Israeli prisons. Artists and writers who continue to develop work to educate and inspire the world, including poets like Rafif Ziada, rappers like Shadia Mansour, and writers from across the world. Many academics have taken part in the academic boycott of Israel, and many musicians, including Roger Roder, Roger, sorry. <laughs> Roger Waters, have decided they will not play inside historic Palestine's borders in order to call attention to the occupation. All right, and so coming up next, we're going to have our interview with Nancy, but first we're going to play you a song by 47 Soul, 47 being the year before the Zionists conquered and took over <coughs> Palestinian land. The song is called Where Are You At?
Welcome back. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo, Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Today we're going to be talking about Palestine. Uh, we're going to talk right now to Nancy Mansour. She's a Palestinian woman born and raised in London, originally from Haifa, Palestine. She currently resides in New York City, working in mental health, and, and she organizes educational trips to Palestine. She's worked on her Existence is Resistance platform for years now, printing t-shirts with the face of Palestinian resistance icons and spreading the word through radio and her con uh, consistent online work. Nancy works to bridge struggles here in the U.S. with struggles in Palestine. She was recently captured on camera confronting Conan O'Brien about his tour there. Uh, we'd like to play a short cl clip for you. It's a little bit uh, difficult at the moment, but if you want to look it up, Nancy told us that there is two clips, one where she confronts Conan um, that, was, that he had published by himself before there was an actual publishing by the news station that he works for on, his, uh, on a separate site. So look up uh, the, original, the original video first. And Nancy basically confronts Conan about where he is. He calls it Israel, and she says, but my father was born here in Haifa in 1936, so where was he born? And Conan responds, well, Palestine. So we're going to talk to Nancy now, and we thank Nancy for being with us. Joining us, Nancy, uh, it would be great if you could tell us a little bit about the awesome work that you've been doing, visiting Palestine, your historic homeland, and showing others what's happening there. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that work? Um, well, thank you for having me, first of all. I uh, really appreciate the chance to be able to always um, represent the truth uh, about Palestine since it's, um, you know, uh, extremely negative um, or negatively portrayed in the media here. Uh, our organization, uh, Existence is Resistance, was founded in 2009 after the massacre in uh, Gaza that started on uh, December 27th of 2008, um, where we, having worked in radio and knowing a lot of uh, hip-hop artists, um, I asked everybody to come together and um, put together a benefit show and perform for, um, you know, to raise money for medical aid uh, for Gaza. And everybody from M1 of Dead Prayers to Immortal Technique, Rebel Diaz, um, uh, many artists came together and did a free show, and uh, we were able to raise a few thousand. Um, and from the power and energy that we felt in that room, we realized how powerful uh, music is and what kind of international language it is. So we decided we wanted to take that um, and kind of make it into a tour um, so all these artists have always spoken about Palestine are very passionate, but in my mind, when people are, I always feel like being there and witnessing it for yourself um, is the best education um, and lesson in what's going on there, because you're able to come to a conclusion, um, and then, you know, once you come back, it's your experience that no one can take from you, so you can read books, you can watch you know, uh, videos, but it's not the same as being there um, and being able to kind of come to your own uh, idea of um, just how uh, atrocious it is there <laughs> for the Palestinians. So we basically uh, take as many people as we can, up to about 15, because usually it's just one or two organizers, and as you can imagine, a great responsibility. Um, and we take people there every year for about 12 days. They stay in uh, a refugee camp um, so that they can experience what the children uh, experience there every day, waking up from, you know, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Um, and every day I take them to a different area. They tour the area. They do workshops with kids in that area. Um, and then we go and visit families in that area. Um, and I try and do north to south, uh, you know, from anywhere from demolished villages, uh, to you know the Sudanese deportation center or open air prison in the south. Mm. Um, so that's basically what we do in a 
That's a great. Russia. That's amazing. It's really interesting what you said about coming to your own conclusions. It reminds me of something that I read in Asata Shakur's biography that says uh, something to the effect of don't tell me who my enemy is and I won't let anyone tell me who my enemy is. I want to find out for myself. Um, so uh. that's great. Um, so in terms of north to south, uh, can you just maybe give a little, I know we were talking this week also about the little girl who died uh, who was hit by the settler. Could you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so during our tours, um, what makes it a little different is whatever happens in the area while we're there or anything that happens in Palestine or 48, um, which is what, you know, Israel proper, uh, we refer to as 48 being the year that it was um, occupied and renamed. Um, we, if something happens, I take the tour there. For example, 2015, the family of Ali Dawabshi, the one-and-a-half-year-old boy, were burnt to death by settlers. Our tour, we got word about, you know, a couple of hours after it happened. We were 10 minutes away. We went and we actually witnessed the funeral of the baby. Um, we, this year, uh, were called and told that um, a little eight-year-old girl called Asil Abouron um, from the Jordan Valley was um, run over and killed by a settler. So we went uh, that day to her father's um, brother's house, which was a village near Nablus. Um, they actually, the family actually live in a tent in the Jordan Valley. Um, and he has, I think it was 10 or 11 kids. She was one of, of, of 10 or 11. Um, his name started Abouron. And so the, you know, the, the, you know how we have three days people come and, and give their condolences. Um, they did that at his family's house in a village, and we went there, and we spoke to him, and he was um, telling us what he saw. I mean, he was a witness to this, so he was working uh, on one road. Um, uh, I think he's a, a contractor, like he does, it does like a lot of metal work, like work with metal. Um, and he was, his daughter and her sister, her older sister wanted to go to the store. So they crossed the street, they go to the store and as they're coming back and about to cross the street, um, a settler came and then swerved into them where they were standing on the side of the road and hit the little girl. And, um, she flew up and hit the bonnet of the car and as she laid on the bonnet of the car. He started hitting the brakes, trying to, um, you know, like breaking and then moving, breaking and trying to get her off the bonnet of the car so he could leave. Um, obviously, by that time, um, I can't even imagine what her father was feeling, but he had run over to the car and taken, like literally dove in the window and took the keys from the settler. Um, we say settlers, we're talking about people from Brooklyn and Europe that live within the West Bank in mm. illegal settlements which are um, built on Palestinian land. For mm. example, if it's a settlement to the village Nebisaleh, like Halamish, that land is actually for the people of Nabi Saleh. Um, that's a whole other discussion, you know, mm. <clears throat> the water theft and, and the rest of, of it that, that goes on with settlements. But he took, also settlers are armed, right, from mm. 16 and up. Mm. Uh, so he took the gun from the settler's car as well. Now, as a father, to witness your daughter being run over by people who believe that you are less than them and don't deserve to live, right. um, I can only imagine the different scenarios that could have happened. And of course, it's from America's first reaction was like, well, why didn't you just shoot him? Mm. Or why didn't you, you know, something like, why didn't you do anything, you know, out of that? And he said, as much as I wanted to, when I looked at him, I just saw my kids, my other kids. And mm. I knew that I'll either end up being shot and killed, mm. you know, or, um, or being in jail for the rest of my life. And he said, I have to look out for my other kids. Mm. And so I just think that takes so much strength and just shows you how strong Palestinians really are, mentally and physically. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that was the story of that. So, you know, we paid our condolences. Um, and, uh, you know, the tour. Um, obviously, in Palestine, it's very disrespectful to give somebody money. <laughs> mm. We don't, you know, they don't do, you know, you mm. don't give people money for death or stuff like that. Mm. Knowing that they lived in a tent and hearing their complete story, 
the tour did actually come together. Everybody that I took, it, most of them, it was their first time, um, just came together and made a donation to help with the with the funeral costs. Mm-hmm. And I took him to the side and I explained that and I said, you know, don't take it in any type of disrespect, but they don't know what else to do, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they'll see you again, you know, but they want to, you know, the pain they're feeling is being, you know, they they, they want to do something. That was uh, that was a story of Essie Lavon. Yeah, and I, it's a sad story. And you know, just to address what you said at the end there, I think most ordinary people really want to do something, and they don't know what to do. And oftentimes, money is the right. It's the first inclination that we have, but and oftentimes people need it. Um, but maybe we can get to that a little bit later on in the in the interview about what people can do. Well, if I if I could just add one thing real sure. quick, you yeah. reminded me just now of um, a brother we took from LA who was a crip mm-hmm. and um, and a comedian, amazing comedian. We took from LA. Um, he when I took him there, the first place I took them was to this uh, Palestinian um, flower and balloon store. Kind of, it's called Pow Events mm-hmm. in Galandia. Mm-hmm. And um, very good friends of mine during the Gaza massacre in 2014, they were donating balloons and flowers for the people that were being brought from Gaza to the hospitals. So I always go and visit them. So in, in 2016, when I took these guys there, as we were leaving, Stevie J, it's the guy from L.A., mm-hmm. um, as we're leaving, we're shaking, you know, everyone's shaking hands. And I look up and I see Stevie and my friend, uh, and he's he's got his hand, he's not letting go. <laughs> So I'm looking, and Stevie looked at me like he made the face, like, oh, my God, what have I done? (laughs) So I walked over, and I was like, what happened? So my friend whispers in my ear in Arabic, tell him to take his money out of my hand. (laughs) And so I looked at Stevie, I'm like, Stevie, take your money out of his hand. He doesn't want your money. And the guy kind of laughed, and, you know, Stevie was so embarrassed, but he was like, I just want to help. Like, you know, he gave us coffee, and, you know, and, and... that's a a custom of of Palestinians anywhere you go everywhere that you enter whether it's a grocery store or someone's (laughs) home they're going to offer you something to drink it's just the way we are Um, and the guy my friend turned around to him and he said you know Stevie I understand why you tried to give me the money he said but you know alhamdulillah I'm doing okay Um, we don't want your money we just want um, our freedom and that was really powerful All right, this is Indigo Radio on WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. That was Nancy Mansour, uh, a Palestinian woman from Haifa, Palestine, born and raised in London, telling us a story about uh, her trips to Palestine um, and how Palestinians, you know, uh, are so strong in what they're suffering today. So... Right now, we're going to listen to Nancy's sister, actually, who's known as the first lady of Palestinian rap. Her name is Shadia Mansour, and this is her song with Dead Prez called Al Kufiye. فضلوا شرفونا شو بتحب مضيفكم دم عربي ولا دموع من عيوننا بعتقد هيك تأملوا نستقبل من هيك تعقدوا لما تدركموا على غلطة من هيك لبسنا الكوفي البيضة والسودة صاروا كلاب الزمان يلبسوها كمودة مهما تفننوا فيها مهما غيروا بلونة كوفية عربية بالضلع عربي حطتنا بدنياه ثقافتنا بدنياه كرامتنا بدنياه كل شيء لنا بدنياه نسكتلن نسمحلن ليك ليك لا بقلن يسرقوا شغلي مش إلهم ما خصن فيه الدونات بلتبس لبس هالأرض بكفي هنش طمعانين عالقدس قدس عرفوا كيف كونوا ببشر جنين جبل النار إلى رام الله خليني شوي كوفية 
بسجل انا شادي منصور والحطه هويتي من يوم ما خلقت سيدي والشعب مسؤوليتي لك انا تربيت بين الغرب وبين الشر بين لغتين بين بين بخيل بين فقير شفت الحياه من الشقتين سلمت الكوفيه كيف ما لبستوني وين ما شلحتوني بضلني على اصولي فلسطينيه من هيك لبسنا الكوفيه لانه وطنيه This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. We're talking to Nancy Mansour, uh, a Palestinian woman from Haifa, Palestine, born and raised in London, who works with the, and on the Existence is Resistance project. She is talking to us about her trips to Palestine and what people see when they travel with her there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Oh my goodness. Well, it seems like your work has and continues to to like really shed light on all of this violence that's um, that's happening to Palestinian people, mostly directed at Palestinian people by the state. And even in regards to what you were talking about, settlers, the state kind of protects them. Um, so if you could talk more about different, the different kinds of structural violence that is committed by the state in terms of law or uh, anything you could think of and how that is affecting the everyday life of, of Palestinian families. So there's so many layers to that because, mm. you know, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 not at all. I mean, don't be so, it's not your fault that, you know, we're under occupation. Um, of course. But it's, it, I, what I mean by layers is, you know, there is, let's start from the top. So divide and conquer, right, mm. um, is probably the most powerful tool they've used against us, whether it's to do with religion or how dark people's skin is. Mm. Um and so we can talk about the division they have made it with Palestinians, I guess. You know, the smaller the groups you divide people into, the easier for them. Mm. Um, so you have Gaza, you have 67, the West Bank, right? And then you have 48. There's a big division between all three. You know, where mm. Gaza is being massacred, they feel like the West Bankers aren't doing much to help them, but the West Bankers are being also massacred, um, not to the uh, extent Gaza is, it's more of a slow, you know, a slow death. Uh, well, I think both are slow deaths, but the, the West Bank, I'll explain the difference of it being personal and non-personal between those two. And then you've got 48, which is, you know, like myself, um, uh, difference, I don't live there um, because I can't, you know, I didn't grow up there, so I didn't, I couldn't stand to have to deal with that all, you know, all, all the time. But 48 being like, oh, you live under Israel, you're cool, you're good, mm. like, you know. Mm. Um, mm. And I don't think people realize the layers to that where if you live in Israel as an Arab, your ID card has stars in it mm. right, to identify you as an Arab. It used to just say Arab and then your religion under it. Mm. Um, obviously, now it's 2017 and... Um, a few years ago, there were a lot of stories behind that where people were exposing Israel for their racism when they call themselves a democratic state. Mm. Uh, you don't divide people by stars so that you can tell what their uh, ethnic background is, mm. uh, unless you're a racist, fascist. Mm -hmm. um, and mm. so at your driving license is different. The school systems, you know, um, Arabic schools get less money than... Actually, Arabic schools get about 3% of the entire budget um, that schools get in Inside Israel. 48. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, things like that, obviously, uh, if there's an argument or a fight, 
even if the Arabs have nothing to do with it and it's two Israelis mm. um, or, you know, Jewish Israelis, the Arabs sitting on the side will probably be the ones arrested. And that's just the mentality. It's just, uh, you know, the same way they shoot a black man on the street here. If they run up on a scene and there's a black man before they reach anybody else, that's who gets blamed. Mm-hmm. So that's the 48 issue in the West. Uh, obviously, you know, in Gaza, there was settlers um you know, settlements with settlers up until 2006, where they were removed. Um, And then Israel freely carpet bombs uh, Gaza, um, because now, you know, they're not killing, there's no uh, Jews that could be killed there. It's just Arabs. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, well, I mean, there's a lot of people in Gaza that, you know, that go there, journalists and blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking from a side of there being settlements, it never got bombed the way it did when there were settlers there. Once they removed the settlements and the settlers, it was being bombed. You know, all types of weapons, illegal weapons under, under international law, yep. uh, white phosphorus mm-hmm. um, to all types of terrible, um, terrible test weapons, I call them, because after 2014, when they murdered over 3,000 Palestinians in Gaza, they actually had a drone conference in Tel Aviv about two weeks later. Dan Cohen did a great uh, story on, he went in and filmed them. Um, And uh, yeah, they had a conference selling the weapons they just tested in Gaza. And they would Mm -hmm. literally say to the people there, we just tested these weapons in Gaza, they're amazing. You know what I mean? I've heard the Um, same thing actually about the, the huge machines that we now have in the airports here were first the ones that scan our whole body, right? You don't just go through the metal detector anymore. But I've actually heard that those machines were developed and first tested on the border between Palestine and Jordan, and that Palestinians were supposedly the test subjects for those machines. I don't know if you know anything about that. I I don't know much about that. I wouldn't put it past them. It's definitely possible. Mm. Um, that's something I want to look into. I didn't know that, mm. <clears throat> but I did used to refuse to go through it all the time mm. um, when it first came out. Um, you know, you just don't know what what it is. It's like when they stop you at a checkpoint. So in the West Bank, uh, less impersonal, more personal. So you have the same soldiers that come to the same villages. So you know them by name, right? You, mm. uh, you know, if they. You know, I have many friends, females as well. I have a very good friend who's worked for um, many international um, human rights organizations from uh, from um, uh, Amnesty International, mm. um, Human Rights Watch. Uh, she worked for many of those, and um, Israeli soldiers stomped her out till they broke her neck, um, and she has titanium in her neck now. And for her, it's like, you know, the same soldiers come to her village, and... Um, it's just, you know it's way more personal you know it's not just a plane where you press a button and it blows up you know a couple of buildings or whatever you don't know who they are but when it's faces and that it's just um i don't know i feel like it's uh i don't understand how they can look in these kids faces and then shoot at them like i don't understand how a human can do that mm-hmm. you know i just don't i don't understand um but yeah the west bank is is under a more personal um, occupation where, you know, there's over 500 flying checkpoints, which means you could be walking from, you know, 34th Street to 42nd Street, and then there's a checkpoint with some 18-year-olds from Europe or from Brooklyn or from wherever they come from, and they tell you you can't cross today because they don't feel like letting you through. Mm. Now think about people that have jobs and that have family and... You know, it's just, it's a constant um, it's a constant harassment. It's um, you know they humiliate people on checkpoints. There's a documentary called Checkpoint 101, mm. uh, where it shows you how they make Palestinians slap themselves and sing them songs and strip down all in at the checkpoints. Um, also, the soldiers at the checkpoints work with the settlers, so. There's a settlement. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you about this settlement, and then because uh, I'm going on, because like I said, it's so. <laughs> no, it's great, really. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. We are talking to Nancy Mansour. You just heard from her, a Palestinian woman from Haifa, Palestine, about uh, what's happening in Palestine. 
Right now we're going to play a song by artist Low Key. It's called the song's called Long Live Palestine. Listen to the child that is searching for the answer. Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter. Long live Palestine, long live Gaza. Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza. This is for the child that is searching for the answer. Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter. Long live Palestine. While we listen to tunes made by ignorant fools Israel blocked the UN from delivering food They bring in the troops and you won't even glimpse at the news They make money off the products that we're quick to consume And it's not simply a question of different views Forget emotions, this is facts, what I spit is the truth Makes no difference if you're a Christian or if you're a Jew They're just people living in different conditions to you They still die when you bomb their schools, mosques and hospitals It's not because of rockets, please God, can you stop this all? I'm not related to the strangers on the TV, but I relate, cause those strangers could have been me, words could never ever explain the raw tragedy, it's not a war, they're just murdering more rapidly, and we're automatically supporting pure savagery, imagine how you feel if this was your family. For peace, times of war, we shan't surrender. Remember, it didn't start in this dark December. Every coin is a bullet if you're Marks and Spencer. And when you're sipping Coca Cola, that's another pistol in the holster of them soulless soldiers. You say you know about the Zionist lobby, but you put money in their pocket when you're buying their coffee. Talking about revolution sitting in Starbucks. The fact is, that's the type of thinking I can't trust, let alone. Even start to respect before you talk Learn the meaning of that scarf on your neck Forget Nestle, Obama Promise Israel 30 billion over the next decade They're trigger happy and they're crazy Think about that when you're putting Huggies nappies on your baby The war over stolen land Why do you think little boys are throwing stones at tanks? And we'll never really know how many people are dead They drop bombs on innocent girls while they sleep in their bed Don't get offended by facts, just try and listen Nothing is more anti-Semitic than Zionism So please don't bring bad vibes when you speak to me There's plenty of rabbis that agree with me It's your choice what you do with this message Don't get it confused, I view this from a human perspective How many more resolutions have to be violated? How many more children have to be annihilated? Israel is a terror state, they're terrorists that terrorize I testify my television, televise and telling lies This is not a war, it is systematic change but whatever they try, Palestine will never die. Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Long live Palestine, long live Gaza Palestine, Ramallah, West Bank, Gaza This is for the child that is searching for an answer Wish I could take your tears and replace them with laughter Today's programming on WVEW is underwritten in part by Everyone's Books Located in downtown Brattleboro at 25 Elliott Street, Everyone's Books is a family-owned, independent bookstore that has been serving the community for over 30 years. They specialize in books about social change, the environment, politics, and travel, and offer a huge range of children's books. You can reach them by phone at 802-254-8160 or online via their website at everyonesbks.com. WVEW thanks everyone's books for their support of this station. This is WVEW Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. 
This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. We are in the studio talking to Nancy Mansour from Haifa, Palestine. She's a Palestinian woman born and raised in London. Uh, you just heard Low Key, Long Live Palestine. There's actually a couple verses in there that I just wanted to highlight. He talks about Obama promising uh, Israel $30 billion. Uh, now, I just wanted to state, and I think this is something Nancy will talk about, uh, that the U.S. gives Israel uh, approximately $10 million a day, a day, not a month, a day, in military aid alone. Um, so I just wanted to emphasize that point that a lot of the weapons that are being used to kill Palestinians are made right here, and the money that we give to the state of Israel, our tax dollars, uh, that are not uh, our tax dollars that are not going to our schools um, or to our public health care are going to uh, the occupation to to benefit the occupation. Uh, so we're going to return to the interview now. Thanks for joining us. There's many settlements in the West Bank, mm. right? Um, but there's a settlement called Yitzhar. Can you say uh, it one Yitzhar. more time? Yitzhar, like why I. T-S-H-A-R. It's hard. Okay. The most violent settlement in the West Bank. Mm. This is the same settlement that the uh, settlers came from that burnt Ali Dawabi and his family to death and basically stood over the parents and laughed while they were burnt. Um, And and I say that because the little boy that was trying to help the family was standing there and and witnessed this. And uh, when we spoke to him that, that morning... Uh, that's what he told us, that they stood there like laughing as the, the mother and father had run out on fire and the mother realized that her son wasn't in the blanket, that she thought she'd pulled him out. Um, so this settlement, what happens is religious Jews within Israel mm. um, that commit vicious, uh, violent crimes mm. or murder sentenced to live in that settlement. Wait, I'm sorry, can you repeat that one so, more time? So, violent, violent religious Jews mm. in Israel, in 48, mm. many of them don't go to jail for, for crimes they commit of violence or, or murder. Mm. Um, they, get, they get sentenced to live in that settlement. So if they get a four or five year sentence, it's like you're being sentenced to go live in that settlement, which means you're free in the West Bank. To okay. unleash your craziness on whoever. So it's know. not like a house, it's not like a, what we would call a house arrest here, where someone is confined to the settlement. It actually means that you have free reign over anywhere where the settlers are allowed to travel inside of the West Bank. Exactly, okay. and and more than that, because they're not supposed to travel to Palestinian villages. Mm. Big, so not true. Saying this is you know this road leads to a Palestinian village, which is dangerous for Israeli life. And not at all. I'm an Israeli citizen. I go in and out of those villages and refugee camps and never have I felt uncomfortable. Uh, never has anybody from my organization or any of my friends, which include Jews and Muslims and Christians, have ever felt uncomfortable, been treated in any way. Um, mm-hmm. um, nothing to do with religion. That's what they want you to believe. Uh, mm-hmm. There are Palestinian Jews living in mountains in Nablus. Um, there are Palestinian Jews all over the place. Jews have always been in that land. That's not the issue. They have always right. lived in peace with us. It's when the ideology of Zionism right. came into play, it hijacked Judaism, and uh, and this is what we have now, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is a bit of um, So I just want to, that settlement, basically, uh, the reason I was telling you about it is because one evening we were coming back um, from Ramallah to Nablus, the evening that Ali Dawabshi got, um, his family got burnt to death. Mm. Now, hour and a half, it happened at 2.37 a.m., they said, right, the, the attack. Right. We had come around 1.15 a.m., and for the first time since the second intifada, the gates around Nablus were closed. Mm. So when you go through the checkpoint, you couldn't go through. It was like yellow gates that would pull down. And basically, the soldiers had confined Palestinians to the villages and cities because they already knew that something was going to happen. The settlers uh, work very closely with the Israeli army. Mm. And when they to commit 
some sort of attack on Palestinians, they let them know so that the Palestinians can't get to them and, you know, that's the that's the reality in, in the West Bank. And that stuff um, happens also the, in East Jerusalem too, no? Like, especially at the Al-Aqsa, right? And the, I've seen videos of Israeli so. soldiers literally escorting settlers into the mosque to harass and, yep. and brutalize Palestinians who are at worship and praying inside. Yeah, exactly. They they walk around the old marketplaces um, singing songs about how they're going to knock the Aqsa down. Mm-hmm. Um, they do escort them into Al-Aqsa grounds. For what reason are you going in while people are praying mm-hmm. to a, a religious you claim is a religion that wants to destroy you? Right. It just doesn't make sense. They, you know, if you go into um, into Jerusalem, into the Jewish quarters, you will see that all of their paintings have Jerusalem without Al-Aqsa Mosque in it. Mm. A lot of, of the brochures that they put out um, have pictures of Jerusalem without Al-Aqsa in it. Mm. And this is also like now UNESCO has come out with a report saying that there is no historical tie um, between the Temple of the Mount and Al-Aqsa because they're, they're right, the Israeli state is digging underneath Al-Aqsa now, which is compromising its structure, and people are saying that they're doing this to actually collapse the mosque from underneath. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. There's no other reason. There's no other reason, but... <clears throat> Yeah, there's no, there's no other reason at all. And so all of this, and you started talking about Zionism, all of this is connected to the U.S., is the way that uh, the Zionist lobbies have been working. And uh, so we know there's been a lot of organizing by APAC, other Zionist lobbies. You know, you said yourself, and I've definitely seen, I think a lot of people talk about the media here portrays Palestinians in a particular way. Um, and... Legislation here has been passed against boycott, divestment, and sanctions uh, towards Israel. So this is legislation that basically criminalizes support for that campaign, which is nonviolent and started was started by Palestinians. Um, and now activists worldwide are, are carrying it out, um, pushing it forward. There's academic boycotts on campuses, uh, boycott of Israeli goods, boycott of Caterpillar, boycott of, of a number of companies that have been listed as supporting the occupation. Um, so now that this legislation has uh, been pushed forward, it's pretty concerning, right? And the, the ACLU has come forward saying that it's unconstitutional. Um, so I'm just wondering, I know there is a lot of resistance to these kinds of bills, by Palestinians, by activists who are against Zionism, against fascism, against imperialism, and support a free Palestine. And so what do you think, and can you describe the ways that you have seen or that you know of that ordinary people in the U.S. can support the struggle of Palestinian people? So, um, uh, first of all, I thought America was a land of the free, freedom of speech. What happened, what happened to that? Or is that, oh, sorry, when it comes to Israel, everything is um, anti-Semitic, although Palestinians are Semitic people. Right. <laughs> Everyone forgets that, right? Mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's, it's absurd. It's just as absurd as the UN, right? right. So people always tell me, oh, the UN voted on this and they voted on that. The UN is based in the USA, mm. which means the UN doesn't have any power over who the US lets in. So when Yasser Arafat was invited once, his visa was denied by the US. Mm. So he couldn't even get to the UN. So how is it United Nations if, you know, leaders of of, of countries can't even get to you, (laughs) right? Mm. Uh, And that brings us to uh, these laws that they're trying to put in place because... As concerning as the internet is, right, with, you know, facial recognition and blah, 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 and, and you know, every, everything that you say, sometimes you type things of anger or um, distress um, that they use against you, right? right. Uh, it's also a tool which we have to, um, we have to use 
because it's extremely powerful in the sense where, you know, people always ask me, well, do you have Leia Khalid in your T-shirts? You know, she has a gun, blah, blah, I'm like, well, you know what? She didn't have Facebook. I'm sorry. Um, you know, we didn't have any media that um, showed any truth about Palestine at the time. And she felt, I'm not saying this is what I would do or, you know, but she felt that she wanted people to know what was going on in Palestine. And she risked her life from the age of 18, 19 and hijacked planes and, and didn't, I mean, you know, people, of course, anybody, I would be scared out of my mind if I was on a plane that got but I would also be into refugee camps in South Lebanon, like Sabra and Shatila, and massacring everybody, right? And nobody is about it. Um, so people themselves before they had the tools that we do to to they could to what was going on in these people's names. So Americans need to be aware that in their name, uh, Israel is receiving money from their taxes. Uh, to uh, oppress and murder um, a people who have been there hundreds and thousands of years. Um, social media is extremely powerful. Mm. They cannot silence people. Um, you know, this is the issue. They can't. They can put whatever laws they want into place, right? It's like what. What I'm not understanding is, why is it criminal to say, oh, this company gives money? No, okay, we rewind it. Let's talk from, I'll talk from personal experience, right? Sabra Hummus, let's talk about that. Sabra Hummus, I will not buy it. I am boycotting, right? Which would come under the BDS, right? <laughs> I am boycotting Sabra Hummus because when I went to Gaza in 2009 and went into schools of, five-year-old, six-year-old children, they put Sabra Hummus packets all over the schools that were bombed out that had all types of nasty racist messages on the school boards written by Israeli soldiers that had hidden out in there because they were being um, given free food from Sabra Hummus while they were murdering children. I am not giving my money to that. Mm. Mm. That's what I'm saying. So why am I being criminalized for that? Right. Why, what, what is being criminalized is really the question, and why is it being criminalized? Because that's the same thing that I've heard about Garnier. That Garnier, you know, the hair products, give to the Israeli female and male uh, soldiers. They give away free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, um, again, I think we go back to the freedom of speech, freedom of, you know, of... Um, all right, we're back here. This is WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. That was Nancy Mansour, a Palestinian woman uh, from Haifa, Palestine, born and raised in London. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to play the whole interview with Nancy today, but we will put it up on our Facebook page. You can look us up. Uh, we're at Indigo Radio on Facebook and on Instagram. Today we have an announcement for you. Go ahead, Lauren. Um, this, on uh, Friday, October 13th, and Saturday, October 14th, Indigo Institute is going to put on, be putting on two free events for educators in the area. Any educators, you don't have to be in a public school or a school in general. If you, um, on Friday, there will be a dramatic reading uh, Voices of Working People's History, which is a play written by Western Massachusetts Job for Just, Jobs for Justice. And then following will be a discussion about current labor struggles and how the topic can be brought into the classroom. On Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., we're going to have a full day of workshops um, about how to incorporate social justice into the content in your classrooms or in the work that you're doing. And this is gonna be held at Marlboro Graduate School. Um, there will be workshops around current events, water justice, labor history, role plays, and more. And participants can, uh, can and will receive a professional development certificate upon completion of the day. 
And the afternoon from 1 to 3 will consist of discussion and analysis of current events. And you will be able to walk away with tons of ideas and lesson plans to use in, te in your teaching and your work. So that's coming up October 13th and October 14th. And you can contact uh, Brattleboro Solidarity at gmail.com uh, for more information. All right. Thanks, Lauren. We hope to see you uh, next weekend for Indigo Institute. So today we have been talking about Palestine. We had Nancy Monsour on with us uh, talking about the structural violence that exists inside of historic Palestine towards Palestinian Arabs, the criminalization of Palestinians, the murder of uh, Palestinian children by Israeli settlers, uh, the forced removal of Palestinian Arabs from their land. Uh, and we also touched upon the BDS movement there you can look up more online about the BDS movement and make sure we're all paying attention to this anti-BDS legislation that's coming out um, that's trying to make it illegal for us to, to support work against the occupation of Palestine. So we're going to go out here with a song by the Palestinian Youth Orchestra. This is their 2016 London performance. They're a group of youth um, from Palestine and the Arab world. Many times they're not able to practice together because of all kinds of issues with uh, freedom of movement. So here's the Palestinian Youth Orchestra. www.wvew.org. My name's Ralph. Sunday mornings, 10 to noon, and how that rhythm.